0: Hey everybody, it's your girl Nadia here from Probably Should Have Known Better. I am so excited to tell you about another podcast that kicks ass that you should listen to after this episode ends. It's called Vicious Cycle. It's a podcast about periods and the people who get them. Basically, this pod is to laugh at, bitch about, and most importantly, demystify and normalize periods. They take calls from listeners, they make parody songs, and they make me laugh. I really hope you check it out. It's on SoundCloud and Stitcher, and they have an Instagram, which is at Vicious Cycle Podcast. Check them out. We love you. Thanks for listening.
1: I'm Rachel. I'm Joey. I'm Phoebe. I'm... I'm not doing this. Oh, Come on. You ever, you know, this is a shameless, exploitive attempt to get people to watch our show. Oh. <laughs> Friends, Thursday nights, right here on NBC. Would you stop? They've got us in our underwear. We're never going to be in our underwear. We're not going to be in our underwear, are we? Friends, between Mad About You and Seinfeld, Thursdays this fall. But it's fine. Like, this, I mean, th- what we watched this time is, like, better. Like, I was I was laughing at it several times yeah. throughout. Because totally. it was an entertaining show. And Stacy would walk in as I was watching and be like, ooh, sounds like Friends is your new favorite show.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's so cute. That's such a wife thing to say.
1: It, it is. Um, it's so sweet. But jokes on her, she also started watching it while... Uh, after i had kind of watched all the episodes uh for for this guy
0: for this guy yeah he has a name yeah
1: no the podcast uh (laughs) the podcast is a male it's a male podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh are we are we doing the podcast it's like that all needs to be included
1: (laughs) oh yeah i'll um we should actually do the intro and start the episode but i'll include i'll include the stuff at the beginning about the gender of the podcast because i feel that's very important
0: oh yeah totally <laughs> Pod is rhymes with rod. Come on. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Probably Should Have Known Better. My name is Nadia Vasquez, and as always, I am joined by my bestest pal, that pauses oh, for you.
1: Sorry. Okay. It's uh, it's Tony Chinocchio. Uh Sorry. I thought you were gonna say my name. It's fine. Uh, we're gonna leave all of this in.
0: <laughs> I just really wanted to give you your uh, your own space. I want you to take up space in this arena.
1: I, I appreciate that. Thank you for carving out <laughs> space for me, a white guy with glasses, <laughs> traditionally underrepresented in podcasting. And providing well, much-needed perspective.
0: I'm glad I can provide that for you. I'm really glad that you're here and that you've decided to grace us with your presence <laughs> and opinion.
1: <laughs> um, well, so am I, because we're doing something uh, a little bit different uh, for this episode. Uh, the first two episodes, we watched films uh, of comedy right. that is that is not aged very well. This time, we're going to TV, and uh, specifically, we're going to be looking at a character. So, uh, Nadia, uh, what will we be uh, talking about today?
0: This is this is a personal favorite of mine. This is something. Uh, a show and a character that have been that has been with me for many years and his name is Ross Geller from Friends
1: and I'm going to just say it off the bat not a good friend.
0: Not a good friend, but I just want to I want to preface this episode and before I say anything negative about Ross Geller, I want everyone to know that this is a pro David Schwimmer podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I am. I think he's one of the best, if not the best actor on the show. Okay,
1: I'm going to disagree with you strongly. <laughs>
0: <here>. <laughs> he has incredible timing. He has incredible space work. I think he's really good. And yes, maybe he's not the best friend, but I'm going to chalk that up to the writing a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he is a poorly written character. Again, I would... I would di- Hang on. I have in my notes, I did a final ranking of the actors and how good I think they are.
0: <laughs> Wait, hold on. I just want to set the bar here. Did you watch every episode of Friends or just a select few?
1: Well, uh, for for our recording specifically I watched one episode I rewatched one episode from each season which allowed me to see kind of the full range of Ross Geller I also okay. got to see all the different uh, hairstyles and <laughs> I got to see uh, I got to see Matthew Perry in different stages of addiction and recovery uh, yes, which I think yes. was really great um I have seen most if not all of the episodes of the show uh, in my life uh some of that in syndication uh most yes. of that in syndication I would say when this show aired I did not watch it as often as I watched Seinfeld or Frasier uh in the NBC lineup
0: you were a Frasier child
1: yeah no I liked Frasier a lot um
0: I don't get it I feel like every kid it were, maybe it's because everyone in my town is stupid <laughs> Shout out to San Jose, but none of us understood (laughs) Frasier. I don't get it. That could be a show that we could watch. I get it now as an adult after watching Cheers again and then watching the first season of Frasier. I get it as an adult. But as a child, you were also a child at the time. How did you grasp what was going on?
1: Well, I think I watched, uh, you know, I think I kind of got into it later. Like I got into it when I was, let's see, both Frasier and Friends ended in the same year, I believe in 2003. Um, so I got into it. I would have been in high school, so I would have watched, like, maybe the last three or four years pretty steadily, and then caught the rest in reruns.
0: Got it, got it. So your pretension started when you were, like, 15?
1: No, my, (laughs) my- My pretension started before I was 15. Like, I was reading- uh, Dave Agarus in eighth grade, and I was just—oh my god! I was just oh my god! I tried to read
0: that in—in in, I think in a college. I was just like, "Who reads this?" And now <laughs> I know it's you. It was you. <laughs>
1: um, I—I uh, I regret some of the decisions I made, but uh, <laughs> it's but it's no- okay. I
0: was really into John Green, which could probably be a whole other episode. John
1: Green will be a three-part series. <laughs> later in probably should have known better so just
0: one is gonna cover just his youtube videos yeah the other will be just his books and the other is just gonna be his stupid brother <laughs>
1: um, so, you might need to
0: edit that out or all the uh, nerd fighters are gonna come kill me
1: i'm not fucking scared of the nerd fighters john green we're coming for you bitch anyways
0: well i'm really excited because friend friends had a huge cultural impact i was a huge fan of Friends, but I'm going to call myself a baby hipster. I'm going to tell you why. Because season one, I was watching that instead of doing my homework. And then by season three, I was the one who had gotten my mom and sister into Friends. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was like a baby cool hipster watching all the cool TV shows, and I didn't know what any of the sex jokes meant.
1: And most of this show, this show is like 80% sex jokes.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on half the time, but I really liked Phoebe.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, she was fun. She was zany. She had a good physical comedy. I didn't know. I think it came out in 1994, so I was pretty young at the time. Um, It was also the same year that The Lion King came out, which was the first time I also cried in a movie theater.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: Yeah, Pocahontas, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and Dumb and Dumber came out in the same year. So content was pretty high as far as quality went.
1: Uh, plus you had, uh, Weezer's The Blue Album. Uh, yes. so, I'm sorry to, that we're like, I know you tried to steer it away from me being pretentious, and I just took <laughs> it right back. I'm, I'm so sorry, that was not what I was trying to do. Sorry, I'm gonna shut, I'm just gonna shut <laughs> the hell up for the rest of the episode. It's
0: totally fine. Uh, so we like to go over former current events of, uh, the content that we're watching. So obviously, I named mean, some of the movies that came out, but, some other fun facts include Doug and Clarissa explains it all ending that year.
1: Oh, wow. Just a big year of finales.
0: I didn't realize that Doug was such an old show, but there you go. Uh, that was also the year the Ace of Base had the sign at number one. Oh, wow. I saw the sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was also the year Nancy Kerrigan was attacked during oh, practice for the Olympics. So it was also a wild time in Tonya Harding's life. And who else had a really wild time? O.J. Simpson, because that was the year that his ex-wife and her possible boyfriend were murdered, Uh, and also the premiere of Party of Five. (laughs) So, Uh, This is the way that I wrote my list down.
1: Look, I'm gonna, like, we're gonna keep that as it is, but... Just, uh, just some constructive feedback. I'd probably close with the O.J. Simpson. Thing.
0: <laughs> you always gotta close with O.J. Simpson. Uh,
1: but in all seriousness, like I do hope they find the real killer someday.
0: Yeah, someday, some someday. But uh, it, Friends actually just had a really huge cultural impact in general. I wanted to go a little deeper into the success of Friends, of course. so we can get a a little framework of how Ross Geller was existing. Uh, so uh, the original name for the pilot was called insomnia cafe and uh, NBC was like hey we need to have a show about generation X we need to have a show about young people and the writers were like okay but you know we need to have a little bit of leeway we want to talk about sex love relationship careers Uh, and quote a time in your life when everything is possible and it's about friendship because when you're single in a city, your friends are your family. And so NBC was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, M- David Crane and Marta Kaufman based this around their lives when they first moved to New York City, which can only mean that they were fucking hard. <laughs> Just by the way, <laughs> these people are constantly fucking.
1: Every. Yeah. Like, not
0: always each other.
1: Right. Not but always the- each other. But but somebody.
0: And like, yes, this is showing positive. It's a very sex positive show, but if it's based on their life, I only want to know what is based on real fact. Like, which boyfriend was the real one that Marta Kaufman was hanging out with? <laughs> was it Paul? Was it Paolo? Uh
1: could be Paolo. Is it Mike? Like the Paul Rudd figure? Oh. Is it- is it How the cute. is it the Hank Azaria uh, like kind of uh, professor who moves to Europe type figure?
0: I would love it. He moved to Minsk.
1: Minsk, by the way.
0: <laughs> I know everything about the show. I love it so much. Anyway, so the pilot was actually written in three days. Oh wow! They fast tracked it. They had a thousand actors uh, try out at first. They whittled it down to seventy five, and then down to just four per character. Okay. So, this it was a very rigorous process. And David Schwimmer is the only Friends character that was written with him in mind.
1: Oh, interesting. That, so. That just adds maybe, a whole new dimension to this conversation.
0: I know. I wrote, uh, this kind of shatters the idea that maybe David Schwimmer isn't like this, but what he's actually like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> huh. uh, it made me sad. Um. Anyway, so... It was one of the biggest shows. Obviously, Tony's going to go into it. But one of my favorite facts, though, is that Friends was super popular, not just in the United States, but around the globe. And they have coffee shops that are designed and replicated almost exactly like the set in Iran, Pakistan, Beijing, and India. Oh, wow. And Gunther, the actor, James Michael Tyler, went to the opening of a lot of these and worked as a waiter. (laughs)
1: Can you believe that? That's great.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. Uh,
1: of course, uh, if you live uh, in or around Los Angeles and you go to the Warner Brothers studio uh, where this show was shot, the soundstage on which it was shot has a giant plaque on the side that says the Friends stage. Only two sound stages have a specialized plaque like that, Friends and ER. Uh, the I had cent- no
0: idea ER had one. That's so cool.
1: Oh, yeah. The Central Perk uh, set is still intact on the Warner Brothers studio lot, I believe. You can still get photographed uh, in front of it. Uh, the Smithsonian has asked for the couch, and Warner Brothers will not give it to them because it is such <laughs> a draw for the studio uh that wait they, that's the
0: real couch that's disgusting i don't want a bunch of tourists I assu- cargo pants i on assume that couch. they clean it do you know how many butts sit in that every day well they're
1: clothed butts except for yeah. like their the real weird friends fanatics
0: that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think maybe that's a replica <laughs>
1: um, just adding to what you said about the influence of the show nadia um i grabbed today uh my copy of tv the book by alan seppenwall and matt zoller sites which is excellent and you should all read it um but basically these two critics are, are ranking the greatest american tv shows of all time one of them is friends uh and they say that uh, friends kind of pioneered this idea of putting only hot people in a <laughs> comedy on tv uh oh. traditionally if you were a hot person and you wanted to be on TV you worked on a soap opera or you worked on a drama um and sitcoms like taxi or golden girls or everything in between uh were for character actors uh and uh and not necessarily for only hot sexy young people but friends <laughs> kind of broke that mold they had six actors who obviously you know had great timing and worked very well together Uh, the show became a smash hit and, uh, got knocked off, uh, and ripped off by each of the major networks multiple times, uh, by just trying to pitch, like, Friends but in L.A. or Friends but in Seattle. Um, CBS, uh, made something called Can't Hurry Love, which, uh, starred Nancy McCune and featured actors who were runner-ups in the Friends casting. Oh, (laughs) Wow! Uh, and uh, and obviously, you know, this contributed to NBC's uh, must-see Thursday lineup, uh, and their success has never been matched on NBC anywhere since. Uh, the show was nominated for 62 primetime Emmys; at won six, including best comedy series in season eight. All six of the cast members would negotiate collectively for their salary, and they uh, made a pact with each other to submit in the same acting categories for emmy considerations so in the first seven seasons of the of the series they all agreed that they were going to submit as supporting actor uh and then in the final three seasons of the series they all submitted as lead actor every actor except courtney cox was nominated for an emmy uh, Jennifer Aniston and Lisa Kudrow actually won Emmys. They also have won, among other honors, a GLAAD Media Award, Six People's Choice Awards, one SAG Award. The show is ranked number 21 on TV Guide's 50 Greatest TV Shows of All Time. It's ranked number 7 on the same list in Empire Magazine. It's ranked number 24 on the Writers Guild's list of the 101 Best Written TV Series of All Time. Uh, so clearly a landmark series. Uh, And uh, in preparation uh, for this episode, Nadia, uh, I took the Which Friends character are you quiz. uh, (laughs) On BuzzFeed? On BuzzFeed. uh, (laughs) And I actually got Mike. I got Paul Rudd's character, uh, which I would have liked to have been one of the main
0: characters. Yeah, well, if it makes you feel better, I got Gunther. (laughs) (laughs) And the only caption under it was... Yeah, you're a little creepy. <laughs> I just want to say that the the questions were really unfair. It was just like, pick a time of day you like yeah, and pick yeah. a candy you like. It's It, it wasn't, and I couldn't, I cheat on the Pottermore quiz. I can tell you what question is going to lead me to Ravenclaw. But sure. on this BuzzFeed quiz, I had no idea. And I got Gunther. Ross Keller is kind of tough for me because growing up with watching it on syndication and every Thursday night, you love all the characters. And there was really no way to binge watch Friends unless you got the DVDs. And I have a lot of friends who had the whole season package, like the whole box of the entire series. Okay. I didn't, I couldn't afford it. It was like $150. I was a kid. And so I think I only was able to afford season one. So that's the one I've seen the most. But now that it's on Netflix, watching it again makes liking each character really difficult. <laughs> because I'm an adult, I've had life experience, I'm learning about things. I'm learning that certain things that I thought were funny was actually fucked up, or were actually fucked up. Uh, and now I'm realizing that Friends is really homophobic, and,
1: well, and that's terrible thi-
0: sometimes.
1: <laughs> half, of, half of the punchlines in the entire series are just but you're gay like yeah
0: (laughs) yeah there's a lot of ross being gay and or chandler Chandler being being gay gay.
1: yeah exactly
0: or joey being homophobic towards ross or chandler (laughs) right Right. it's 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 uh, not everybody's great um there's a lot that we'll go into especially with ross Where we were rooting for Ross, when a lot of the time now I'm rooting actively against Ross.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, I I didn't realize that there was that huge of a shift in our culture and the way that we see uh, TV love interests as well. Um, You know, I feel like more people are more inclined to like a Jim Halpert these days, but now he's kind of becoming...
1: Actually, he's he's kind of a problem too.
0: He's kind of a problem too, um, but you know now we're going more. I don't even know who is a good example. Uh, I'm perfect. I'm
1: gonna go with uh, well, Michael Cordero, obviously.
0: Michael Cordero from, from Jane, uh, the, Jane Virgin. the Virgin,
1: which is the only like I watch a lot of TV. That's the only show I watch that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I agree, but it's also uh, very real, and the love interests aren't uh, terrible, but. Better in comparison to the villain. Yes, which is I feel like a lot of the time uh, Ross is painted to be a hero when Rachel or one of the women he dates uh, mentions or uh, is dating someone else who isn't as good.
1: Okay, but let's talk, okay let's get into it uh, okay. because
0: <laughs> where I
1: landed. So whenever we talk about Ross and his relationship with Rachel, um. Ross seems, in all decisions he makes, uh, motivated by jealousy and spite, and he has zero short-term memory.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he also has zero shame.
1: Right. Um, And so a a few of the early episodes that I watched, uh, the one with Mrs. Bing in season one, uh, Rachel is dating uh, Paolo. Uh, an Italian man who Ross calls Rigatoni, which, first of all, (laughs) incredibly racist. So Uh, bad,
0: so uh, bad. There's a lot of those kinds of things. There's a lot of um, mimicking his Italian. Yes. There's a scene where uh, in in the the one where there's a blackout where we meet Paolo, he's speaking Italian to Rachel and she's experiencing this passion that she had said at the beginning of the episode that she lacked in Barry, who was the guy she left at the altar. Right. And she's finally getting this like great passion and we are supposed to not be on Rachel's side. We are supposed to be on Ross's side because he wants her. And so she, she's finally getting what she wants, but we're being like, Oh, but he's gross. And, and Ross is making fun of his accent. And we're like, Ross is so funny. (laughs) What is happening?
1: Yeah. So because Ross is so, um, racked with jealousy, as Rachel is with Paolo, his solution is to hook up with Chandler's mom when she's in town.
0: Well, hold on a second. Oh. I It takes two to tango. And <laughs> let me tell you, I think Ross's mom is, I'm sorry, Chandler's mom, I think Chandler's mom is the reason why Ross has such a sense of entitlement. And I'll tell you why. When they're at dinner and Ross is getting drunker and drunker watching Rachel Rachel and Paolo um like flirting and being gross. He goes to the bathroom and Mrs. Bing is like, "Hey, are you okay?" and he's like, "Mom, I'm really sad because Rachel likes this other guy, blah blah blah." And she's like, "Well, guess what? Your life is like a book. You're the hero. The Paolo, they'll just be gone, but you're you're the one that we all root for." And I feel like that's the moment where Ross was like, yeah, I'm the victim and I'm the one that, you know, is entitled to Rachel.
1: Yeah, this is where he becomes uh, Dark Ross
0: this is dark Ross's timeline yeah. beginning
1: not not literal dark Ross which we'll get to <laughs> in later seasons but this is like Im- emotionally dark entitled men's rights activist Ross
0: <laughs> well I mean okay so her telling him that and and being and feeding him this victim story that he absorbs so completely for like the rest of his existence on this show uh, is makes it okay thus, To make out with his friend's mom. (laughs) And they just start going at it.
1: Yeah, and then, like, I mean, he's caught by Joey, and Joey's reaction... Let me just... Half of my notes are about how much I love Joey. Oh, I
0: love Joey. He's also the worst, but he's... No,
1: do do not say he's the worst. Not sweet, simple Joey. Um, (laughs) He's such a wonderful character. Everything he does is gonna make me laugh. But Ross, in this episode, first of all, Ross... In addition to just acting on impulse and out of spite to uh, make out with his friend's mom, um, he later, you know, repeatedly lies to Chandler, and he's a terrible liar. Right. He tries to blame it on Paolo, briefly. Right. And then eventually puts it back on Chandler. He's like, well, why don't you say something to your mom about being such a slut, basically?
0: Classic gaslighting, and thus begins Dark Ross. (laughs)
1: Um, and, you know, again, he is a terrible friend.
0: Bad friend. Even... Kissing the mom just alone, terrible. But trying to gaslight your friend and being like, you know what, you need to deal with your issues with your mom now. It's like the ultimate fuck you. Yeah,
1: it's insane. And then, um, it's weird because the other relationships, as I was watching this series, the other relationships I kind of get, um, even... Again, I love Joey dearly, and Chandler and Joey's relationship I really like, even though it's obviously um, lopsided in many ways.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And kind of codependent, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're still codependent, and they have some very sweet moments, but it seems like Ross keeps Chandler and especially Joey around just to feel superior to them.
0: I totally agree, because it seems as though Ross and Chandler pretty much consistently always have a rivalry about a woman. Yes. And it's either someone from college or someone from whatever, but they're always fighting over something and its status.
1: Yes. When it comes to women. Yes, absolutely.
0: Which makes sense. They're both super insecure versus, like they wouldn't have the same issues together with Joey because with Joey, it changes the game. And he has more charisma with women more power more confidence and so they kind of have to adjust but when joey isn't there they are not good influences on one another
1: (laughs) yeah i I feel like joey joey is not one to play the victim very often
0: no he doesn't even know what the victim
1: exactly (laughs) and often when he gets himself uh in the shit he knows that it's his own fault (laughs) Yes,
0: and he also takes responsibility, which is not something that Ross does. It's not something he
1: ever does. Uh, Which we
0: see in this episode, just to start, where he's like, well, it takes two sets of lips to to make a kiss, Chandler.
1: (sighs) Well, should we talk about the list?
0: Oh my god.
1: So, uh...
0: One of the most upsetting moments in friends history
1: moving to season two uh, certainly one of the most important episodes in the ross and rachel storyline the one with the list uh so uh, we have moved to a place where ross is in a great relationship and has hooked up with rachel outside of this relationship so right away he's being an asshole
0: right away he's a cheater first instance of cheating
1: and uh, check he, his his response after all this is just being um Just being, again, being the victim, poor me, I don't know which of these two hot women uh, to pursue a relationship with. I mean, Chandler even makes fun of him for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's like, oh, poor me, two beautiful women love me, and my diamond crown is too tight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So what he does is on Chandler's new computer, which is a hilariously dated, like, five inch thick uh, (laughs) laptop Um, with a blue
0: screen yeah Uh,
1: they make a spreadsheet and they make a list of pros and cons uh, between Rachel and I actually forget the other girlfriend's name Julie thank you yeah that's right it's Julie
0: who plays the mom in Supernatural of one of the prophets Kevin oh okay that's pretty much the only times I've ever seen her on TV (laughs) shit (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to say something. Before we go on, I also want to point out at this point, I love all of the Friends characters, but I also want to call them out when they're being shitty. And Ross isn't the only person being shitty here. I also want to say Rachel's being shitty because she knows that he has a girlfriend but doesn't care and goes for it anyway.
1: That's absolutely true. That's a good—and to be honest, that's kind of a thread that recurs, like— Yes, they're both terrible,
0: so they're great for each other. But don't learn your life lessons from Ross and Rachel, which we all were, by the way. I feel like this
1: has ruined a lot of people. This is a woman who would go on to ruin his uh, destination wedding in London, which we'll get to, but uh, and then just kind of go with it, right? But in any event, they make the pros and cons list, and here's what he lists for Rachel. Uh, So she's a little spoiled, she's ditzy, she's vain. And my personal favorite, she's just a waitress.
0: Oh, right. Oh, wait, and you forgot Chubby Ankles. That was like oh, the O.J. Simpson thing. It was like the O.J. Simpson thing. You should have said the Just the Waitress Last. <laughs> Party of five is Chubby Ankles. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just, okay. I personally think that's the most asshole move because not only are you criticizing the woman that you supposedly love, but you're doing it with your friends, and they're also participating. A lot of these are not just his.
1: They're a hunt. Well, actually, Chandler wants to break off and play Doom at one point, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But there's, yeah, they're on board with this whole conversation.
0: Such a misogynist conversation. Thanks, guys.
1: <sighs> um, uh, so
0: then he f- asks, okay, well, what about Julie? What are her cons?
1: Well, see, Nadia, she's not Rachel. <laughs>
0: Now, okay, back then, I was just like, no, oh, it's not Rachel. He's right. They're meant to be. And now I'm just like, what the fuck? That's <laughs> fucked up. You shouldn't even have Julie or Rachel. You suck.
1: Yeah. No, he doesn't deserve either of them. And uh, as you would expect, like, he gets his it's always been you, Rach, moment. Right. And then she discovers the list, and she is understandably <coughs> very hurt by it.
0: Immediately. Immediately. And uh when she's like trying to have this fight with him cuz what can you have besides a fight? He's like is this over yet? <laughs> <laughs> he literally said is this over like uh let's just like forget that this happened. Gaslighting. Okay. <laughs> God.
1: Well, and He's he also so tries to he also tries to make a grand romantic gesture and it's an iconic moment in the series where he requests uh You Two's with or without you on the radio. Wait.
0: You forgot something. He actually uh, climbs the fire Climbs up
1: the fire to, escape. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right.
0: So he he writes down another list, but it's of the things that he loves, where, like, he says, oh, I love when you get nervous, you play with your hair, and she just closes the blinds on him when it's raining, and she's just like, <laughs> fuck you, and then that's when he does the the request.
1: Right. Um. Which then she, call- it's great, because she calls into the radio station, and they're like, uh, Ross, Rachel told us what... You did, and that's pretty messed up, so we're going to just stop playing with or without yeah, she's you. she's like,
0: I don't want to play your song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad. Well, this, I, Rachel has the, the pinnacle line of this episode. She says, imagine the worst things you think about yourself. And how would you feel that the one person you trust the most in the world not only sees them too, but uses them as a reason not to be with you?
1: Well, in Ross's defense, he says he, he wants to be with her in spite of all those things, which is literally right. the worst possible way to frame that. It's
0: really, really sad. And he said, well, there, if this had happened the other way around, which is, again, super <laughs> gaslighting. Okay.
1: Yeah, not the, not the right way. <laughs>
0: right if if things were the other way around there's nothing that you could write on a list that would ever make me not want to be with you and she's just like yeah but I wouldn't have made a list
1: yeah exactly it's
0: it's like yeah and you know it's really strange because I still feel like in watching this episode they really want us to be on Ross's side but I can't there's no way that I can't this is so abusive and shitty and like (laughs) I, I just, I don't know. How did they bounce back from that and still have people love Ross? And it was, this is was only season two.
1: Yeah, well, uh, guess what happens in season three? <laughs> <laughs> it's the one with all the jealousy. All right, uh, so
0: eventually they get over this. Yes. And get together. Which is questionable on Rachel's part, but okay.
1: Yeah, so... Um, Basically, Rachel starts a new job. She's working in the corporate office of Bloomingdale's, and mm-hmm. uh, her coworker is a well her her coworker is the guy who helped her get the job.
0: Right, which he met at a at um they met at a at Monica's diner where she was working as uh, someone in costume on skates. Yes, and he was at the moon. I think it was the Moon Dance Diner, and yes. he was listening to Rachel moan and moan about the job that she had. And he just offered to help get her a job, which, to Ross's credit, that is a little like, oh, you're just gonna help a stranger that you think yeah. is hot, probably.
1: It would be different if they had like a pre-existing friendship. Totally. Uh, but in any event, um, does they it work... make
0: what he did okay?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any event, they work together in the same office, and Ross is insanely jealous and territorial. Because, uh, I guess in Ross's mind, Rachel isn't allowed to have friends that are men.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Rachel's not allowed to have friends out of the six people. Let's just make it more extreme.
1: <laughs> um, so, uh, whenever she accuses him of being jealous, he turns it around on her, which I hate. I hate this. And then, uh, he just keeps mailing her, like, gifts, including a music box playing the theme from Love Story. He sends a barbershop quartet to her office, and, uh, basically he's a psychopath.
0: Yeah, and then he shows up at her work to do a picnic for her, when she's been telling him for a few days that she's been really busy. Because that's what you do.
1: Well, and is this where he overhears, uh, the, uh, the guy friend talking?
0: Oh, yeah! Yeah, he's, like, flirting, flirting, and he, Ross thinks that Mark is flirting with Rachel, and he goes around the corner and basically manhandles him, and is like, ah, get off my girlfriend! Yeah, like, thinks that
1: this is a good time to insert himself, you know, during a hilarious misunderstanding. Um, And... (laughs) And his way of explanation to Rachel is, oh, he's having a hard time. He was with Carol for, you know, he was married to Carol for eight years and then lost her. So a year into his relationship with Rachel, he's still feeling insecure. And it's just this goddamn playing the victim again.
0: Yes. Which, again, Mrs. Bing, fuck you. You've done this to (laughs) you Right. You are the reason why we're suffering.
1: Exactly. Can we talk about what he does at the end of the episode?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Go on. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Um, so, no, he, um, so Rachel yells at him correctly um, right. about him being jealous. And so Chandler and Joey in the B story have been, uh, well, Chandler mostly has been planning a bachelor party and hi- he hires a stripper as, as part of that. And it, most of the humor that comes from that storyline is just Chandler acting like a 12 year old boy when he talks to a stripper on the phone. <laughs> But Ross sets up a revenge-like date with the stripper. The stripper has a kid, Ross has has a child, and he sets up a play date. Um, And it's, like, such a shitty thing to do because he's clearly doing it to deliberately get Rachel jealous and just revel in her jealousy. Absolutely.
0: And she plays along, too, because she feels insecure about it and gives him this really passionate kiss— and she's like, well, he's not going to forget that kiss anytime soon. And Chandler was like, yeah, or you just...
1: Preheated you know, him, yeah.
0: Preheated him before he went to go hang out with a stripper.
1: Yeah. Which is um, like, this
0: is so, like, all there is so much sexual manipulation in this dynamic. Tremendous
1: amount. Like, it's throughout so all ten years of the series. It's not good.
0: Yeah, and, and by this time in in American culture, most people were saying things like, He's the Ross to my Rachel. She's the Rachel to my Ross in just everyday vernacular. and we we didn't realize how fucked up that was and how we don't want that. We don't want this.
1: He, he's the Ross to my Rachel. You know, he refuses to leave me alone. Uh, he <laughs> will climb up my fire escape and bang on my window until I stop rejecting him. Ah, uh, he will abandon me on a flight to Greece. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he loves me so much.
0: I'm afraid. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. He
0: also, he also counted how many times Rachel, he and Rachel had sex. Well. 298 times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have no comment on that. That's pretty fucked up.
0: That's pretty, (laughs) he also told it to a stranger. That was when uh, Ross got his new couch, the pivot episode. Oh, of course,
1: yes. One of the best. Also iconic.
0: uh, It's such an iconic episode. One of the best. Uh, Chandler's probably one of my favorites of his that season, but. The 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 salesman was just like, oh, you two dated? Oh, I wouldn't have believed that. And Ross was like, yeah, not only did we date, but we did it 298 times. That's and right. And she's like, Ross, right. you're such a nerd. You counted? And it's like, yeah. that's not the reaction that you have. No. I'm going to call you not, a nerd.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not. Oh God, I'm just. He's
0: very he's very jealous and obsessive. Obviously, throughout the first season, he was obsessed about Rachel with Paolo. But didn't do anything about it. He didn't actually openly communicate with her. Like, hey, I actually have feelings for you, and I have for a really long time. Uh, he the only kind of hint was in the pilot when was was when he asked her, you know, hey, what would you do if I asked you out? And she's like, I don't know, I wouldn't say no, kind of, like, vibe. But then Mm -hmm. nothing happened. There was no reason for him to cower the way that he did throughout all of that time, up until they got together. There was no one really stopping him but himself and his victimhood, I guess.
1: I'm honestly getting progressively angrier as we record this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This isn't a funny one. We're making everyone pissed.
1: (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just worked out. And then, yeah, it's just... God, it's just, and the mistakes that he makes, whether they are in his relationship with Rachel or otherwise, are not mistakes that a normal person makes. No, like they no. are not believable gaffs or flubs or you know whatever you want to say. Um, sure, even you know when we get to the episode with literal dark with literal dark Ross, which we're not at yet, <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm previewing it again because. Guys, get excited. When we get to literal Dark Ross, Like that is the result of mistakes that are not believable and not grounded um, in any sort of reality.
0: Right. The one that comes to mind when you say that is when he says Rachel at his wedding. Yes.
1: (laughs) That's not a thing people do.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, well, just to start, when Carol got married again, to Susan, to her lesbian lover, he wasn't supportive in any way of that relationship. And he clearly doesn't have a relationship with her because she doesn't get invited to his London wedding. Emily, his his new wife, his second wife, uh, I don't even think she's heard about Carol. I don't think anything from Carol exists anymore. He kind of just forgets. We rarely see his son, so who knows if he's a great guy. But somehow Emily is like, I want to marry Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and they go to London. and Right. this is where everything kind of goes to shit. Because the Ross and Rachel, will they, won't they, is back. They put lighter fluid on it and then lit a match. And now we're just waiting for everything to blow up.
1: So... During his vows, of course, if if you were alive when this episode aired, you heard about it. Um, oh, yeah. During, this, during the vows, it says, you know, the, the uh, presider prompts him, uh, I, Ross, take the Emily, and he says, take the Rachel. And, you know, the- Nobody does that. The studio audience goes fucking insane. Um, yeah. You know, we get some reaction shots from each of the characters, and then that's the end of the season
0: uh oh yeah the cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers right
1: this is their who shot jr uh (laughs) so then we get the one after ross says rachel which picks up immediately after that they go through with the wedding but emily uh won't let him kiss her on the lips and she won't talk to him at the reception
0: yeah she hides herself in the bathroom yeah which i would too
1: yeah, I guess, I guess it's embarrassing for her, but also, like, not to take Ross's side, because I'm not gonna do that, but I understand the idea of having a brain fart, perhaps not on that level, but, like...
0: Tony. <laughs> Are you really?
1: Okay, you know what? I'm cutting Are you all really this. Doing this. I'm cutting no! all this out.
0: No, 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 no. You have to live with your shame. I
1: do. When I say <laughs> cutting all this out, I mean the past 54 minutes of recording. Uh...
0: <laughs> you need to go to your therapist and say, This is what I said on the podcast, <laughs> and I need to talk about this. Are yeah. you kidding me? First of all, it's unbelievable in general that a human being would do that. So you will know, we'll chalk this up to suspending disbelief. But secondly, Nobody would say the wrong person's name. No. As, like, a brain fart.
1: Especially when prompted immediately before with the correct name.
0: Yeah, this just makes him terrible. I know it's supposed to be, like, a hilarious Freudian slip, but, again, I feel like the Friends writers are making Ross fuck up and still hurting other people in the process. Because it doesn't hurt the the main six, we're not really supposed to care. Sure. And eventually, they make Emily out to be as crazy as she ends up being, and possessive and jealous, just as jealous as Ross. But uh, I feel like they, uh, they they just weren't fair to the person that Emily is. Like that's just a shitty thing to do to somebody. Absolutely. And now she has to deal with the fallout of that, with her family hearing everything, with you know everybody traveling really far, and then still going through with the wedding. It's unbelievable
1: yeah absolutely. Uh, and then
0: i I get mad.
1: <laughs> no i'm I'm mad too, but I was I was maddest at the end. So should we talk about the end of this episode?
0: Yeah, is it the 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 airport? Yes. okay. so at the end of the episode, Ross is at the airport hoping and praying that Emily's gonna come to their honeymoon in Greece. and lo and behold, Rachel shows up.
1: Which first of all, why the fuck is she even coming?
0: Well, she needed to find a way back to New York because she had only bought a one-way ticket apparently. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, okay. the logic
0: there is 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 plain scheduling.
1: Okay. And, okay. And well and so then, she, I take she, back yeah. I take back everything I said about this series.
0: <laughs> so she's trying to get a standby flight and Ross for some reason says, "Well, why don't you come to Greece with me?" We'll just make it a vacation. It's not going to be weird.
1: We'll stay We're in the honeymoon suite together. Yeah!
0: <laughs> and, and she's just like, okay. <laughs> that's cool. Let's do it. Which, again, they're both terrible people.
1: Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, Rachel gets on the plane. He, uh, he goes back to grab his jacket and he sees Emily. Emily sees him and Rachel getting on the plane together. He's like, ooh, shit. That's my wife. Uh, and so he follows Emily and just strands Rachel on the plane, which then flies to Greece.
0: Yeah, and then, uh, the next episode, she comes back. Oh, or is that the season finale?
1: No, no, this was the very beginning of the season. Oh,
0: right, 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 okay. So, in the next episode, she comes back, she's tan, she has this, like, uh, beautiful beads in her hair and she's just like a hair wrap and she's just talking about how great Greece is when Ross is around and then when he leaves she's like no I didn't have a good time people were asking me why they were like Mrs. Geller why you cry <laughs> <laughs> she's so upset and it's like why is she hiding that from Ross is it because when they have any kind of you know emotional confrontation he ends up like turning it back onto her because I, then I would avoid it too He's a very abusive guy.
1: He is. Um, But he's also condescending.
0: He's so (laughs) condescending.
1: Uh, He's also condescending. He's also a spaz. And uh, I would argue that in uh, all of his relationships, he's been uh, borderline abusive. Uh, There's just so many great things on our list here. Where do you want to go next?
0: Um, Well, just to start. uh, Do you remember the episode... Okay, to start, do you remember the episode where Phoebe finds a cat yeah, that she yeah, thinks yes, is this... her mom reincarnated yeah, in the this... cat?
1: This is, hang on, I have the title, it's The One Where Mental Illness is Hilarious.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, Unbelievable. it's that one,
0: yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, I believe that was the episode where Mr. Heckles dies, and, or no, no, that's uh, not
1: it was it was that's shortly evolution. after yeah yeah basically okay, there's cut a cut
0: that out cut out cut that out that's fine <laughs>
1: there there's a couple things going on monica gets a call from her high school crush chip matthews um and then ross manipulates rachel into calling chip matthews uh based on the phone message that he took just to humiliate rachel um right is- because
0: chip she he, chip and rachel used to go out in high school and she thought yes. That if he was leaving a message, it means he wanted to get back together. Because at this point, Ross and Rachel were broken up. And Ross was being a little shit. And and was trying to hurt Rachel. And in the end, by humiliating her, he succeeded. Which makes him happy, because he's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) But that episode is um, a really sad episode for phoebe because we're kind of seeing her deal with her grief of losing her mother and she finds this really cute cat that she says is her mother reincarnated in the body of a cat and it finally makes her feel at peace it makes her feel very happy and ross is just not having it
1: yeah i think rachel correctly pegs ross with saying you always have to be right and ross you know is initially dismissive of phoebe and then eventually just flat out um, uh, cruel to Phoebe, referring to her as crazy lady. And uh, eventually, I think, yelling at her that the cat's not her mom.
0: Right. And, and Phoebe is like, well, can't there be more options than what you know? Like, she's just really... Phoebe is amazing. I feel like she has a lot of heart and soul as a character. Wonderful she character. Makes, yeah. She makes the other five people who are pretty much, except for Joey, who are pretty much practical and realistic uh, kind of think outside the box, and I think that's something that Ross definitely needs. And But most of his interactions with Phoebe are really cruel, and he really likes to assert himself as being superior to her. Um, this cat incident being one thing where reincarnation can't be real, to the episode where Mr. Heckles dies... And they talk about evolution and what they want to do when they die. And Phoebe's saying, like, I don't believe in evolution. And he spends the entire episode proving that she's wrong in the most condescending ways. And she's just like, well, what if what if you are also wrong? What if there's a tiny, tiny, tiny possibility that you're wrong? And, like, his and whole world shatters.
1: Phoebe, who uh, is also... Um also very compassionate out of out of the out of the cast says you know Ross you haven't lost any parents in your life and uh, the quote she has here is even if I'm wrong who cares just be a friend okay be supportive
0: right and I and I I get what the writers are trying to do with Ross is that they're trying to expand his worldview but I feel like they're so mean about it they are it's such it's so mean and Phoebe doesn't hurt anybody no. You know, and, and uh, I get I get that this is supposed to tell us a little bit more about, uh, I guess, Ross and the lengths he'll go to be right, but I just feel like there needs to be some sort of line that we draw, which we never do. It gets worse every season, but it's just still uh, sad.
1: We do have the great ending of the episode where Rachel makes Ross apologize to Phoebe's mom in the cat. Oh, right. <laughs> Which is very funny, uh, and also the B story in this episode is where Joey and Chandler are trying to sell their um, their entertainment center shelf, um, and they oh yeah, and, and Joey ends robbed. up yeah getting trapped in the in the unit, and the entire apartment <laughs> is robbed. Uh, which I love Joey; he's so good. Um, and and it was around this time, so I was four episodes in um, to my rewatch at this point. And by this time I had finalized my, my final ranking of uh, the six actors by acting ability, uh, which I'm going to put Matt LeBlanc in the one spot, Lisa Kudrow at two, Matthew Perry at three, four Courtney Cox, five David Schwimmer and six. I actually think Jennifer Aniston is the weakest of the actors.
0: Wow. These are fighting words, man. And then I also
1: (laughs) ranked them by hotness. Uh, once again, Matt LeBlanc is number one, <laughs> and then it's a five-way tie for second. Uh,
0: I also disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, uh, I think <sighs> Ross is a lot of things. He's definitely cruel, and what well, you like, you said, spazzy. Um, he makes just a lot of questionable decisions in general. There was the episode where he wanted to fuck his cousin.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so I I have a lot of notes on this one. This is from season seven. Uh, so his cousin is played by Denise Richards. Um, who in every every time she enters the scene, like she enters in slow motion, and Barry White, uh, like plays in the background. Yeah, um, super sexy. Yeah, so like Denise Richards is like not my type, Um, and I had to, like, kind of look up what she was in before this episode aired to kind of understand how, you know, basically what had made her kind of broadly a well-known hot person.
0: Oh my god!
1: And so... She obviously, you know, she'd already done Melrose Place at this point. She'd already done Wild Things, Starship Troopers. But most notably, and I really want to make sure this gets in the episode, (laughs) (laughs) she was a Bond girl. She was in a late-period Pierce Brosnan film called The World Is Not Enough, uh, which I saw (gasps) in theaters, and it was bad. Uh, Her character's name was Dr. Christmas Jones, and what yes the final scene of the film and i swear to god this is true look it up if you don't believe me the final scene of the film is james bond fucking her saying i thought christmas only came once a year which
0: oh my god and again
1: i saw this in theaters i would have been like 13 and i realized (gasps) that was a cum joke maybe last week
0: Oh, my God. You know what? I actually hadn't seen Denise Richard in anything but Melrose Place, so I thought it was interesting that they brought her on to play his cousin. But now I get it. I feel like someone out there was just like, I really liked that scene in the James Bond movie.
1: Well, and I think Wild Thing, she has, like, a a girl-on-girl scene, um, which also probably led to the creation of YouTube or something like that. Uh, on mr skin the yeah exactly anyways the point is ross is her cousin and he tries to fuck her
0: yeah it's gross i I, I can imagine it from joey but you know it's his own cousin and
1: he (laughs) he knows it (laughs) like she's his first cousin he has this whole internal monologue where they're watching a movie together um and he's like you know what she wants it which first (laughs) first of all terrible thing to think
0: <laughs> which makes sense of all his previous yeah. action that he's taken as a character.
1: Uh so basically just goes in it like goes in for a kiss but basically like dives on top of her and she's like what the hell is wrong with you and he doesn't respond for like two full minutes.
0: <laughs> he just stares at her. It's so terrible because I mean it, it just is. It just is just terrible. There's no words. There's no words to where someone in the writers' room pitched the idea that Ross should want to fuck his cousin.
1: Right. They're like, wouldn't it be hilarious if?
0: Well, I mean, they already had him date a student.
1: Right, and that's wouldn't it be hilarious if Ross, who's a professor, um, would you know, would actually try to date one of his students who? Uh, yeah. This is who's twenty. Yeah, who is who is not twenty one. Uh, this is season six. Also in this episode, by the way, a professor, he's, like, posting his grades on the bulletin board. Uh, and a professor criticizes him for grading too easy. So Ross changes his grades on the fly. He scratches them off on the bulletin board and writes in new grades. So just Yeah, because he's
0: a great teacher. No, great teacher.
1: No professional integrity whatsoever.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. And and the, the reason why he is so excited about this particular student is because he had gone to his friends and showed them an evaluation that he yes. had gotten on his class where the the individual wrote that he was the hottie of the paleontology department and all the guys were like, yeah, yeah, date a younger student. Yeah, yeah. And all the girls were like, hey, hey, hey. Well, what if... It actually wasn't a female student. What makes you so sure? It could have been a male student. And he's just like, no, let me be homophobic real quick. There's no way. I think what you're
1: forgetting, Nadia, is that being gay is hilarious.
0: Oh, Uh, right, 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 (laughs) Um, I feel like, what is this, season seven?
1: This one? Six? This was six, yeah. So this would have been like 99. This is a post in and out world. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is a post in and out world, and yet we're still homophobic on TV. It's what is happening?
1: So terrible. Um, and the best part is, the entire time <laughs> he's been telling everyone that dating a student isn't against the rules, it's just frowned upon. Uh, right. And then he learns from his colleagues, no, it's against the rules. You can very understandably lose your job for dating a student.
0: Right. and And Joey's justification is, All right, dude, when you're 90 and Ross cuts him off and he's like, yeah, no, I know when I'm 90, she'll be 80. So it won't be that big of a difference. And Joey's like, no, no, no. When you're 90, you'll remember what it was like to be with a 20 year old. (laughs) And that's where I feel like Joey is also a little bit the worst. I'm sorry, your sweet swimple prince was a pervert.
1: (laughs) This episode, Joey delivers the best line of the entire series because the uh, the A story of this episode is when... Uh, Rachel and Phoebe's apartment burns down, uh, so one of them has to live with Monica and one of them has to live with Joey. And uh, Joey gives the tour of his apart- his apartment and there's a pizza on the recliner and he <laughs> just points to it and he's like, so that's where I keep the pizza. Uh, and that was so fucking hilarious to me.
0: He's so good. Yeah, and I think that was the same episode where Rachel was eating spaghetti yes, and yes. she drops them on the carpet. They eat spaghetti off
1: the floor, yes.
0: And she's like, I'm so sorry, Joey. He's like, it's okay, check this out. And he just throws spaghetti on the ground. It's like, I want to live like Joey.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, It's so good. So
0: he's dating his student who's 20 years old, and there's a whole arc. Yeah. I think it's like four or five or six episodes, and it and it culminates with the, the student's name is Elizabeth. It culminates with Elizabeth's father, who is played by Bruce Willis, Mm -hmm. uh, coming in and dating Rachel.
1: Yeah, because all of this is normal and good.
0: All of this is normal and good. This is not at all toxic in any way. (laughs) And everyone is somehow okay with... Like, if... Okay. If my 30-year-old male friend had a 20-year-old girlfriend, or maybe even a girl that had just turned 18, because she might as well have, yeah. I would be like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't hang out with this friend anymore. Yeah,
1: no, I, because I'm 30 now and happily married, uh but, like, Congrats. I feel <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to rub that in. <laughs> hey,
0: it's totally fine. I'm in a really great relationship. Absolutely. All good. <laughs> uh,
1: anyways, uh, but I'm, I'm 30 now, and uh, if I started dating like a 20 year old, everybody would be like, What are you doing? Yeah, there
0: would definitely be some sort of intervention-style meeting among friends. I would be the one leading it,
1: probably. Yeah, it would probably be you putting together a conference call, to be honest, to be like, Tony, don't do this.
0: It's creepy in a lot of ways. Uh, Obviously, we're seeing a lot of um, power dynamics in the scandals that are happening in uh, Hollywood. We're seeing a lot of it of just you know, younger girls coming out and saying, I've been dating these older guys. And yet this was a topic of a sitcom that we're supposed to be totally okay with and love.
1: And find funny. Yeah. And, and this, and find this funny. This, this sort of, um, you know, this me too moment has certainly been happening in higher education as well. Um, and, and there are unfortunately, uh, terrible stories about, professors uh, taking advantage of either their TAs or their grad students. Anywhere where there is a power imbalance, um, you open yourself up to this sort of thing. And in 1999, season six of Friends, (laughs) it was apparently hilarious.
0: Well, I think that they they framed it so that Ross didn't look that creepy. They made fun of Ross, or his friends made fun of him for having a younger student, but they were just roasting her, saying things like, oh, did you get the babysitter? Or, oh, did you get permission to take her out and keep her past 10? You know, like, that kind of thing is, is like, the joke. But the way that they wrote Elizabeth was that she was pretty aggressive in getting yes. him to go out with her.
1: Yes, So that's there's very those true. dynamics
0: that, again, make the woman to f- to blame so that we still love Ross.
1: Jesus fucking Christ.
0: Isn't it gross?
1: Uh, <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah, um, it, it, the, the that dynamic really grosses me out because it's obvious that she likes him and wants to be respectful of their relationship, which I guess I'm supposed to be on board with at this point. So she's like, "Hey, I want to go to Florida for spring break for a couple weeks with some friends." Uh, I just want to let you know, and his reaction is complete jealousy. Like we know, well, of that course he's, it is. Yeah, we know that he's crazy jealous. But his reaction is to then go to Florida also, and kind yeah, of yeah, he follows guys. her. That's right, he follows her, and so he tells Joey, he calls Joey, and is like, "Hey, turn on MTV," and he. The camera shows Elizabeth dancing in her bikini with this guy and and Ross comes up and pushes the guy out of the way and like shakes his hand like no hard feelings because he's got to keep his girl his girl.
1: Yeah, this is all normal and good.
0: (laughs) It's totally normal. Not at all abusive.
1: I do want to emphasize to all our listeners, Ross did not just prey on younger women. He also when he was younger. Uh, was into older women, uh, and I would direct your attention to season eight, the one with the rumor, which guest stars Brad Pitt.
0: Oh, yeah! So Brad Pitt, Monica, Brad Pitt's, he's just going to be called Brad Pitt. I don't know his character. No, he's Mm -hmm.
1: definitely, the character's name is Will Colbert, but he's clearly just Brad Pitt.
0: Yeah, and he was married to Jennifer Aniston at the time, which I like to think that there's a curse that if you, you appear in the same show or movie with your significant other, you will break up. This that has makes been sense. proven by Will Arnett and Amy Poehler. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's been proven by
1: Brad Pitt twice, basically.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt twice. So, so Brad Pitt, uh, Monica, Rachel, and Ross all went to high school together. And Rachel was very popular. And Monica obviously was not. So she was friends with Brad Pitt, who was very overweight at the time, like Monica was. But thankfully, because... Heavens knows one cannot be happy if they're overweight. They both lost the weight and are finally living their best life. Yeah, right.
1: Brad Pitt. Uh, Brad Pitt was uh, obviously a super big star. By the way, he had already done Fight Club at this point. He already did. Uh, he did Snatch immediately before this. He did Seven already, and of course his biggest hit, Meet Joe Black, uh, came out the year before this.
0: My mom loves that movie. It's like seven <laughs> hours long. <laughs> it's so bad but so so brad pitt is his huge his huge star he's married to jennifer aniston what a treat well guess what the content that we get with this guest star part is so disturbing he and and ross started a club called the i'd hate rachel green club and they subsequently started a rumor that rachel had a quote teeny weeny
1: yeah that she had been born with ambiguous genitalia or in other words she was the hermaphrodite cheerleader from Long island
0: right that was what called her and uh rachel finds out and she's understandably upset because a lot of the bullying that she experienced is explained which hello childhood trauma but no big deal let's skirt over it uh, and and ross is Tries to tell her, like, hey, it was a long time ago. Like, I, I don't hate you now, obviously. And Brad Pitt freaks out when he finds out that Ross and Rachel actually went out as well. Brad- and apparently that was, like, a
1: betrayal of their oath that they took. Brad Pitt, by the way, is a better actor than all six of the principals <laughs> the show. He is. Yeah. He is hilarious in this episode.
0: He's so good.
1: But, yeah, he's like, we had a pact. It had the word eternity in it.
0: it's it's really sad it's mostly that uh you know ross was so obsessed with rachel that even the chance to talk badly about her in high school he took right because he's so obsessive
1: but we also learned this nugget about ross that when he was in high school he made out with the school librarian Uh, oh
0: yeah and he also made out with monica
1: (laughs) oh yes that's right by mistake right
0: yeah yeah so okay this is again where ross is a fucking creep so uh rachel and monica went to visit ross in college and they both drank a lot monica passes out on ross's bed underneath all of the coats sure. from the party that they were having and for all of these years ross thought that he had kissed rachel that night but he went into the room and kissed who was on top of Of all of those coats, and it ended up being Monica!
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you get it, right? If you're Ross, you're like, okay, where's an unconscious woman uh, that I can (laughs) just take advantage of? You know, the normal thing that everyone does.
0: Totally a hundred percent okay, Ross. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. It's so creepy. They just let him get away with so much by just like making it a joke. And I get that it's a sitcom and stuff, but it's just, it's just, it's creepy. It's gross. It's, it's not okay.
1: <laughs> Two last things I want to hit on with Ross. One, uh, season nine, Freddie Prince Jr. is the male nanny. Um, uh, Fre- Freddie Prince oh, Jr. Ross. also hilarious. Also gets an applause break when he enters the set just like Brad Pitt. Um, Ross interviews him to be a nanny for, uh, for his and Rachel's baby and just can't wrap his mind around the fact that a man would be a nanny.
0: Yeah, he's like are you gay? Because Freddie Prince Jr. like shed a tear because he was overwhelmed with emotion talking about his previous family he was babysitting for.
1: Says to Freddie Prince Jr.'s face, you gotta be at least bi, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, I mean, everybody on this show is very homophobic. Like even Phoebe, who's pretty much the most progressive of the six of them, she very often makes are you gay Chandler jokes. Right. And, and in this case, it was a little too malicious because it was to go against what Rachel wanted. And again, to prove to Rachel that he was right. This nanny can't be a good nanny because he's a man. So I'm going to just make him look bad in front of you kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, eventually it blows up in his face. He tries to talk to Freddie Prince Jr. And he ends up working through some stuff about his dad. And uh, then before you know it, (laughs) Ross is in tears.
0: Right, right. And he finally kind of, I don't know, admits that he's messed up, I guess. (laughs) I I just, I, I think... Watching all of these episodes with the idea that Ross is terrible, it makes him very exhausting. So if you're gonna watch this this show, definitely don't pay attention with this kind of mindset turned on. Flip the switch off, enjoy it for what it is. Because if you get to season nine and Freddie Prince Junior is there and you're as angry as I am, you've been watching it too much.
1: <laughs> but you need
0: to take a break.
1: Yeah. But before you take a break, I do want to call out season 10. We got there. It's time for Dark Ross. Uh, Oh,
0: my God. You meant actual Dark Ross? I meant
1: meant Ross in blackface. Uh,
0: (laughs) I thought you were just talking about when he was playing rugby and he was Red Ross and he would get angry. No, no.
1: I I mean, uh, where Ross gets a spray tan. And let's... Guys... (laughs) Let me be clear. The spray tan is like the C story in this episode. It's like a- sp- I know
0: it's the runner. Right. It's crazy. It, it's
1: a sight gag and that's it. Um, But it's just, again, this is Ross doing something that people don't do, which is incorrectly getting multiple spray tans on only one side of his body and not figuring right. out how to turn around.
0: Okay, so Ross goes to the tanning salon. The guy asks him, you know, you got numbers one through four what what number would you like as far as darkness goes? And Ross asks him, what number are you? And the guy's like, Puerto Rican. <laughs> and he, and, <laughs> and just starting there, I was just like, this is not a good idea. So he asks for a two, which I believe is around the tan that Monica had, which is the whole point. And Ross wanted to be tan like Monica. And he goes in and doesn't turn around because he counts one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi,
1: instead of and one, then, two, three. And then when the second spray starts, instead of just turning around immediately uh he just screams and stands in place (laughs) yeah because the the
0: spray tan just doesn't work otherwise it just makes no sense
1: just like it's so but anyways things keep escalate he keeps trying to go back in to get his back at least the same level and his front just keeps getting sprayed darker and darker until it is legitimately kind of offensive. <laughs> um,
0: oh, not even kind of. But, By that time, it's like, uh, how did he? How did they get his skin to be this dark? Yeah. Is this from old makeup from like the 30s? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> um, Chandler's reaction to it just when Ross walks in and Chandler says, hold on, there's something different uh, did make me laugh. um just as a side note the a story of this episode uh joey and rachel are dating for some fucking reason i don't know and uh they're trying to have sex but they can't because every time joey tries to make a move on rachel she involuntarily slaps him like she has ptsd or something
0: oh yeah that's so awful it's an
1: extremely weird story
0: Right, and I think that this was a reaction, or this was a response to the reaction that people didn't want Rachel and Joey to go out. So they made it so that because Rachel and Joey can't pass the point where they can have sex, they're just not going to be together. This show is incredibly problematic.
1: <laughs> and Joey's Joey, Joey deserves better. Like I'll say it. I agree. Like, I agree. Be- I get why he get his own, why he got his own spinoff. Um. Yeah. I get why that spinoff in turn was extremely unsuccessful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a great show.
1: No, it's a shame, because I had to kill off Adriana on The Sopranos to free up her schedule. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah, well, I'm like, kind of joking but not really but yes his his Aww. sister in joey is played by uh drea de mateo who uh famously plays adriana la on the sopranos uh played it for five seasons and sorry spoiler alert for a show that ended 15 years ago uh <laughs> she gets shot uh at the end of season five and immediately after her character dies like joey started (laughs) um like basically (laughs) she got this deal to go work on nbc and hbo's like great we're gonna kill off your character
0: right okay well it's a good thing she did that because it only lasted two seasons that's so sad (laughs) that's so sad
1: Uh, well
0: ross is uh, a lot of things i think he brings out a lot of bad qualities in a lot of the other characters yeah Uh, the episode where uh he had to he lost his apartment because he moved out to go live with Emily and that didn't work out. So he went to go live with Chandler and Joey and was just like a tyrant about his, about noise, about touching his things. He was just a really shitty person to kind of live with. But he does this to everybody. Like every experience with all of the cast members is just suffering when it goes to Ross.
1: It, I would argue. I think there are arguments to be made for some of the other characters. I would argue he is the worst friend, and I mean that in a very literal sense. Like, he is the worst person to be friends with out, yes. of, out of the six.
0: Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I don't think—I think he's only closely followed by Chandler. Chandler is not a very great friend. I, I
1: think Chandler you could definitely make a case for. I would argue you can make a case for Monica, too.
0: Yeah, Monica's very self-centered. She's very
1: controlling. Um, I mean, she's related to Ross. I get it. Um,
0: yeah, they're a product of their environment because their parents are also not perfect. Right. <laughs> but but Ross is just not a good guy in general. So you know, there are certain things that are are sensitive that other that he doesn't really pay attention to, like the episode where uh, Monica gets a new job and they want to take her out to dinner, but Phoebe, Rachel, and Joey aren't loaded, like the other three, and so they're like, hey, like, we can't take Monica out to dinner, like, we can't buy Hootie and the Blowfish tickets. You oh, guys that's just, right. You make all of these plans, but you don't think about us, and and it's those three, it's Chandler, Monica, and Ross versus the other three. Yeah,
1: it's class warfare, uh, which is <laughs>
0: One of my favorite topics. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, Ross's worldview is so skewed by his privilege, and, like, he got tenure when he was under 30 years old. Which is insane. Like, which is insane. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that he's the worst one, but it is sad that his being the worst affects the other five so drastically.
1: Yeah, so, uh, guys, you know, we're still kind of in the early days of this podcast, so we're... um. We're breaking format uh, a little bit, uh, trying some new things, but uh, we are bringing a guest on, which is uh, super yeah. exciting. We wanted to super bring exciting in, wanted to bring in kind of an expert. So, um, joining us uh, right now, uh, we have um, she's studying in the history department at NYU. Uh, Elizabeth, welcome to Prollyshuda.
0: Hi, hi. You know, I'm actually a paleontology major.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake.
0: That's okay. That's okay. A lot of people like to downplay the fact that I really love science.
1: I, I have a lot I want to ask you, seeing as you were kind of uh, had this key story arc in season six of Friends. Um, I, I want to ask you kind of what drew you to Professor Geller in the first place?
0: Well, he was definitely the hottie of the paleontology department. Um, I also really liked the texture of his hair.
1: Really, because it kind of looks like a like a hardened shell to me. I feel like there was a lot of gel from that era.
0: You know, you you touch it and you think that it's gonna be really hard, but it's actually really greasy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: how do you how do you feel about kind of where Professor Geller ended up? You know, with his, uh, you know, he ends up with Rachel and uh, and kind of you know builds this this separate relationship and, and new life for himself.
0: You know, I'm really happy for him and and especially for Rachel. I know that she previously has had a relationship with my father, Bruce Willis, but I wish her all the best and I wish Ross the best. I feel like they have a really cute kid, and if I had a really cute kid with him, I'd also root for me.
1: Well, that's very that's very gracious of you. Uh, if you mind, if you don't mind my asking, uh, what are you up to now?
0: Well, I'm still studying at NYU. I find it really difficult to pass classes because I sleep with all my professors. Um, it's really hard to get your degree when you're not concentrating on schoolwork. Yeah.
1: So this is great because you've segued right into my next question here. <laughs> when, you, when you look back at your relationship with Professor Geller, especially in light of the current cultural moment. You know, I'm talking about Me Too. I'm talking about conversations we've been having for maybe five years now about consent on college campuses and Title IX enforcement. Do you have any, I don't know, regrets or things you'd maybe redo or rethink?
0: I definitely don't regret the relationship that I had with Ross. I think, I'm sorry, Professor Geller. Yeah,
1: he insisted that you call him that, right?
0: Yes, he did. Mm. Uh, I just really, I don't have regrets on it. I learned a lot of things. I learned all of the best ways to seduce a professor and all of the great benefits that could happen from that, but I don't think everyone knows how to harness this power. So if you're out there and you want to bang your professor, I say don't do it because it's wrong. It's very wrong it's
1: okay naughty. so you're doing the you're doing this thing it happened in the episode two and it makes me think like you actually are just trying to get yourself hot and bothered over this
0: you know what i do in my own time is <laughs> none of your business <laughs> is there is,
1: is there anything else um is there anything else you want to talk about elizabeth
0: i would just like to make a statement <clears throat> excuse me I would just like to make a statement about Professor Geller. I think that he is a great professor and even though I don't remember anything from his lectures, I do remember <laughs> I do.
1: Hey can, can I just say before <laughs> you continue this mm-hmm. interview's going awesome. so thank you so much for making time for us <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted. I interrupted. What were you saying?
0: I lost I lost my train of thought because I was thinking about Professor Geller's greasy hair and getting a little turned on.
1: <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> okay. Well, Elizabeth from NYU, wow. thank you so much. For-
0: Tony, you asked her some really hard-hitting questions. I'm really glad that, that I was here to witness that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, Nadia, I see this not just as a podcast about um about pop culture that has aged very poorly. Um, I see this as an opportunity to show how the culture has changed, and totally as an opportunity to like kind of ask some hard questions about um about the things that we uh, once looked up to. You know, we're totally,
0: and it, it's really not every day that you get to actually have the character from the show come on. A podcast like this—this is a really big deal.
1: It, absolutely, having Elizabeth on, um, I think, was an awesome opportunity for us. I personally, in my notes for these episodes, had kept referring to her as "less hot" Amanda Seyfried. So it was great. <laughs> it was oh, great wow. to actually one learn her real name and two kind of learn how she's doing now.
0: Yeah, I'm glad she's doing well. I, I I understand, you know, it's a tough thing to come talk about, but I'm glad that she's really open to things. <laughs>
1: You want to do reviews?
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 I definitely okay. do.
1: Let's do uh, reviews.
0: Let's do reviews.
1: Um okay, so I have a I have a lot um vulture uh collected a bunch of the original reviews from when the show debuted in 1994, so I'm just going to uh oh, do a wow. couple of these really quick uh from the LA Times. The notion that all of these attractive people would remain platonic while flopping around together is a bit far-fetched, yet these are (laughs) nitpicks, and Friends has so many good moves that there's really nothing to dislike. It's all so light and frothy that after each episode, you may be hard-pressed to recall precisely what went on, except you laughed a lot.
0: (laughs) That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, uh, from Variety, uh, Friends touts promiscuity and offers liberal samples of an openness that borders on empty-headedness. It's not much of a positive example for Juves. Uh, for those of you that haven't for what? read- what? Juves, J-U-V-E-S. For those of you that haven't read Variety, uh, it's written, like, in this horrible Hollywood insider slang. And so, they mean young people, they mean juveniles when they say Juves. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no. but it's it's terrible. <laughs> Other so that one a little more on the negative side, basically saying it's it's kind of funny but really lowbrow. Uh, some much more negative reviews come from The Washington Post. NBC's new sitcom Friends comes across like a 30 minute commercial for Dockers or IKEA or Light beer except it's smuttier.
0: <laughs> the stars
1: all look nice and it's sad to see them degrading themselves. Uh, And then uh, my personal favorite, uh, from the Hartford Courant, uh, that just bastion of pop culture taste, (laughs) the dialogue generally goes like this. I don't know whether I'm hungry or horny, anemic and unworthy of its Thursday night time slot.
0: Oh, I remember that episode. Uh, Oh, God. That was the
1: pilot, I believe. Yeah,
0: Um, yeah, definitely. uh,
1: Towards the end of the series, there was an interesting uh, piece in Slate, which is not a sentence I ever thought I would say, but there was an interesting piece in Slate (laughs) about um, kind of what the end of Friends means. And the thesis of this uh, was, quote, Friends isn't a sitcom. It's a a soapcom. It's a soap opera masquerading as a situation comedy. Uh, basically, mm. the beautiful people with opulent lifestyles, the explicit sexual content, the long multi-episode story arcs, and each season's cliffhanger uh, are the show's real hallmarks. So basically, uh, what, what Slate is saying here is, like, this doesn't hit um, sitcom conventions as much as it does soap opera conventions with a laugh track, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, and then <clears throat> Definitely. finally, and my personal favorite, there was actually, uh, on March 16th, so like two weeks before we recorded this, BuzzFeed ran 21 times, Friends was actually really problematic. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, <laughs> you always
0: can rely on BuzzFeed for a good list.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> the whole, so many of these are ones we just mentioned, uh, number one, the whole male nanny debacle, uh, number two, pretty much everything about Fat Monica, uh, which I get.
0: <gasps> yeah!
1: uh number three one we didn't touch on uh at all but the treatment of chandler's dad throughout the show uh oh, yeah. who, who is a um who is a, a gay a gay man who dresses in drag uh but is just treated as a punchline kind of throughout the series uh ross's absurd jealousy and possessiveness over rachel while she's working for mark we talked about the objectification of women by the male characters The fact that objectification often bordered on harassment. Uh, Let's see. Joey's sexism going unchecked. Uh, Ross's failure to understand consent. This is specifically where he kisses Monica by mistake they're talking about. Um, Constant examples of fragile masculinity. Anti-gay jokes and comments. uh, Lack of diversity in both the main and ensemble cast. Uh, because Friends is the whitest uh, show on television still.
0: Yeah, there's actually, I think it took six seasons or so for a black person to be on. Yeah. Yeah, and and Ross only had one Asian girlfriend. (laughs)
1: Yes. So, you know, Nadia has been, of course, keeping a tally of the women of color in the films we watch, and she's still in single digits cumulatively. Yeah, um.
0: yeah. Actually, I had to expand from women to people of color, and <laughs> it still doesn't help. <laughs>
1: um, the treatment uh, of it's Carol very and Susan's relationship is on the is on the list as well. Uh, oh yeah, the way lesbianism is used as a punchline. Ross trying to hook up with his cousin, which we talked about. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the very
1: end of the series, where Rachel sacrifices her dream job to be with Ross. Uh, Ross, Ugh, gross. Ross pretending to be a massage therapist because he finds, uh, the woman attractive.
0: Oh yeah. And then it ends up being her dad yes. who's elderly Yes, and he still has to give him a massage.
1: Yes. Uh, Monica won't touch
0: him homophobic, by the way.
1: <laughs> yes. Touches him with like wooden spoons. If I remember. And correctly. like
0: Tonka trucks, <laughs>
1: uh, Monica gets cornrows, uh, Bonnie is tricked into shaving her head uh, so she will become less attractive. Uh, Monica's relationship with her friend's dad, who's played by friend of the show Tom Selleck. Uh, And finally, uh, Ross being annoyed at Ben playing with a Barbie.
0: Oh my god, Ross. There's so much. There's just so much to unpack that we can't in just one episode. And, you know, who knows, maybe we'll touch on a couple of things in the future. But it was a good thing to start with Ross. Because that's just, it's just rife with information. <laughs> half,
1: half of that list is just shit Ross did.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the funny thing is, is that, as I always like to look up Common Sense Media's reviews. Friend uh, of the show,
1: commonsensemedia.org.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know this about the... Website, But they have a scale of one to five of uh, things that you can expect in every piece of media that they review. And it covers positive messages, positive role models and representation, violence, sex, drinking slash drug use, language and consumerism. Comrades, common sense media <laughs> and and friends pretty much falls at three stars on all of them okay there's a, like there there is casual drinking uh the only one that it hits the five on is sex <laughs> of course of course <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's not a lot of consumerism if ever, anyone out there was worried about capitalism in your sitcoms there was only maybe i think the scale was at one or two of the star rating well that's but, a huge uh, every Yeah, there wasn't a lot of positive messages either. That was pretty much ranked at two. Sex, again, number five. Uh, But what Common Sense Media recommends to parents is, uh, quote, "...parents need to know that this long-running sitcom subject matter is mature. Episodes have dealt with divorce, single parenthood, infertility, and more. The topics are treated sensitively but with the irreverence befitting a sitcom. Premarital sex is depicted as the norm for dating relationships." The characters, while flawed, are always there for one another and are extremely loyal when the chips are down. I don't necessarily believe that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I feel like <laughs> we they just talked for to like be. an hour and a half about how that's not true at all.
0: Yeah, but the, the part of the, of the review that I liked was what to talk to your kids about. These are the two or three questions that you can ask. Whether or not the characters make good decisions, do they make good decisions? Do their lives seem realistic? And are they intended to be role models? I think after this podcast, we can say no. no. Uh, and the other question is, how do the characters' friendships compare to teens' own relationships with their friends? Okay,
1: and so that's actually... so this is where
0: I ask you, Tony, think about your friends when you were a teen.
1: Oh, and
0: boy. how does it compare to your own to the relationships that you've watched
1: on Friends? Uh, I would say there was a lot less sex. Uh, <laughs> there yeah. was, I would say there was 100% less sex. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I feel like the friends I had in high school, I made a lot of friends kind of through uh, marching band, which I was in because I was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then there were a couple friends that I, I had a lot of classes with that, you know, towards the end of my high school years, I grew very close with. I feel like we didn't have a lot of the same, like, capers as, as, sure, sure. as the Fab Six did. Like, we, it was more <laughs> just like hanging out and watching movies type of thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was less like... It was less, you know, just to name a couple plot lines. It was less one of us tried to hire a male nanny or one of us was in blackface. So
0: <laughs> that's totally good. So, I'm so glad to hear that. I
1: feel like uh, I feel like we were very loyal to each other, uh, and I feel like we did give each other shit from time to time. I, I feel yeah. like we were less homophobic. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. But yeah,
1: what about you? <clears throat>
0: You know, I have had a lot of groups of friends similar to like in size, I guess, but we never treated each other that way. (laughs) Like I do, I do think uh, the friends show a great deal of loyalty, but I think maybe at some point we have to realize that perhaps it is because no one else likes them. And so they only have to hang out with each other.
1: That's a fascinating thesis. I mean, that's basically what Seinfeld was about, right? Is that they yeah, were, they were totally. terrible human beings. And right. it was watching these four human beings navigate a, a generally good world that ends up reacting to them and hating them.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. And, and Friends manages to bring in supporting characters that we will grow to love, like Mike, Phoebe's, uh, I guess, now husband. But, you know, that was because Joey got the spin off. I'm sure that originally he and Phoebe were supposed to end up together. Uh, but, you know, they managed to get a lot of really great uh, kind of recurring characters and side characters and things like that. And I like to think that that is my favorite part of the show because the first six are just terrible.
1: <laughs> you no, know, I think that's absolutely right. I think the, the recurring characters are great. It was crazy rewatching these episodes and seeing, you know, all these people that would, you know, become very famous. Uh, one of the episodes yeah, like I watched baby
0: Mae Whitman.
1: Yes. Baby Mae Whitman. Uh, one of the f- earlier episodes I watched is the one where Monica goes to work for the, uh, the mocklet, the, uh, artificial oh, chocolate company yeah. and the, the guy who runs the company is legendary comedic actor Michael McKean um
0: oh my gosh he's so funny yes
1: who I guess now because he's on Better Call Saul he's also a legendary dramatic actor uh mm. but um it was cool to see that obviously there are some like really high profile guest stars like Tom Selleck uh and Brad Pitt um but then just like kind of uh kind of seeing all these bit characters who would you know have some funny lines and then go on to to become bigger bigger things is is always neat it's an interesting time capsule for sure
0: yeah absolutely and i think christina applegate and reese witherspoon are rachel's sisters yes
1: yes that's correct which is
0: wild totally wild
1: um i'll tell you one question common sense media should have put in the uh questions to ask your family when they watch friends is how could they have afforded that apartment
0: you know what's really funny is I read that the, the writers of the show were asked that pretty much constantly, sure. especially by people who lived in New York. And as, as someone who has lived in New York, it's unbelievable that they didn't pay astronomical rent for that apartment or that that apartment just exists.
1: Well, maybe it was, like, kind of in the old rent control system, like the first wave of rent control from, like, the 30s.
0: Right. Well, the whole thing is is that Monica's grandma owns owns the apartment and so they just live in there which makes me think like oh do they just not pay rent because that's pretty sweet
1: yeah actually but but
0: but the 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 writers had to explain to us dumb (laughs) americans us fucking layman's that the apartment had to be big because otherwise, the set wouldn't look right or it wouldn't be believable that they were like existing in the real world. No, I
1: get how TV works. Like, I
0: know, but that's the react. There's that's their explanation. They didn't want to go into rent control or like <laughs> anything like that. Uh, <laughs> they just wanted to call us out for being stupid. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> it's like we could do it, but it'd be a really tiny set. Um,
0: well, who yeah. I would like to know uh since you obviously are in love with Joey. What's your favorite Joey moment?
1: Um I would say out of I mean, this is where I keep the pizza is my favorite line of his. Out of the <laughs> episode uh the ep- out of the episodes I watched, there is a there's an episode where he is auditioning for a role. Scott Adsit plays the casting director by the way. Um who oh, later amazing. go on to be in 30 Rock. Uh but um where he has to For the role, there is full frontal nudity and he has to be uncircumcised. (laughs) Uh, But he is circumcised and he still lies about it. So he and Monica fashion a prosthetic out of silly putty. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that's one of my favorites. Uh, My absolute favorite Joey moment, which was not in the episodes that I watched for this, but my absolute favorite Joey moment has to be where he plays Pyramid Uh
0: Oh, that's such a good episode! Which is great. Poor little Simple Joe. Yeah,
1: Paper Snow, a ghost. Like, you can't, you can't
0: beat that. A ghost! Yeah. Uh, Ugh, that's so good. uh,
1: But he is, Uh. he is an enduring character in my heart. He, uh, I just think somebody who is sold being dumb so well. Uh,
0: Absolutely. And, you know, he gets dumber and dumber, and I still believe it. Yes. (laughs) Poor Joe. Also, sorry, Joe. I'm
1: sorry. We're just going to keep talking about friends. The uh, I'm going to edit all this out, probably. The oh, the, the story arc where he is in a play for, like, the entire season, and it's not revealed until the end of the season that it's a science fiction play. Uh, oh, yeah. Play.
0: <laughs> I'm going to get on this spaceship. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like,
0: and you tell your great-great-great-granddaughter to look me up. <laughs>
1: yeah, like...
0: Because, <laughs> baby... I'm really gonna want to meet her.
1: <laughs> like that to me is such a sophisticated long con of a storyline. They just because like, you
0: really think that Joey got like a serious. You think you think it's just like a serious like
1: um like a like an August Wilson drama? Not August Wilson because Joey's white, but like you know what I'm saying? Like some <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Some sort of serious family drama, and then they they've just at the end just turn it into something so dumb it's hilarious.
0: Oh, well, that's such a good one. I love that. I love Joey. He's great. I think my favorite, though, I have to say, after many years of kind of debating it, Phoebe is definitely my favorite.
1: Phoebe she... is my second favorite for sure.
0: Yeah, she's she's very much herself, and while. They built her up to be kind of dumb at the beginning. They turned her into this, like, really tough, kind of scary badass. (laughs) I just really love, you know, that she runs weird and gets (laughs) reason to run weird because she, she, like, knows what it's like to have fun. It's just so much great positive things from Phoebe about just loving yourself and being who you are that uh, we take for granted because we have to watch all the other five be terrible. (laughs)
1: yeah well put thanks Uh, yeah so uh, that's been about two hours should we wrap it up
0: yeah totally oh god
1: (laughs) Uh, and then uh, you should also you know follow us on twitter facebook that sort of thing uh, because we're a great show and you love listening to us um, please uh, go on iTunes to review us. Uh, leave five stars. Uh, say that the podcast is a first class ticket to Lowell'sville. Please use those exact words. Uh, <laughs> if you listen, sounds like
0: something Ross would write.
1: Exactly. If you listen to us on Stitcher, I don't know if they have a review mechanism, so find that out and then also review us on there. Um, but follow us on Twitter at Proly shoulda, uh, or follow us individually on Twitter at it's Nadia Vasquez at IMAX Afterlife. Uh, anything else?
0: No, thanks for listening, everybody. We love you.
1: Yeah, see you next week.